0: It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Friday, August eighteenth, one week before well, the Leon Bridges concert next Friday night. I just I just figured I'd throw that in um, for those of you who were whatever. So uh, we're your hosts, Ray and Zach, and well, it's Friday, which means.
1: That, that that jesus christ dude you are so you are so like i'm gonna bring kimberly in just so we can talk about this thank you that was a very modest knock you're, you're what are you doing this morning
2: a modest knock
0: yes i'm i, I believe the term is he's full of piss and vinegar ladies and <laughs> you know. or, hi guys as- how are you or as some would suggest, Kimberly, I'm just full of you know what. Oh my
2: God. <laughs> I've heard that, Ray. I've heard that before.
1: Oh, it's so oh. good to have
0: Kimberly here today. Well,
2: thank you, Ray. <sighs> thank you so much. Yeah, I don't ready. know who Leon Bridges is, but he, I'm looking great, forward to Yeah. Great I school
1: musician. Really, really good music. I encourage you to check him out. He's actually I'm, really, really, really good.
2: I'm going to now. Yeah. Leon, You're I'm coming you for at you. At the I'm
1: Hard Rock? Now. At the Hard Rock, yes. Yes. All right, all right, hey. wait, wait, wait. You two, calm down. You two, calm down.
2: Why We're are we this here? Train.
1: We're putting this train on the tracks, okay?
2: All right, you okay.
1: You ready? Yeah. Ford, GM, yeah. Ram, yeah. They got a huge, huge. huge, They got lots of problems. They, we could, we could take in this show in multiple directions. Kimberly, you found an article. Where was it from? Auto Finance News. It was super interesting. I mean, one of the most interesting things I've read. All week, and I thought we'd kick off today's show by talking about it. Let me pull it up on the screen, and you can kick us off here. The potential strike, which seems like it will probably be a strike. Report warns oh, this is from FNI Magazine. Report warns you and look at this ad over here. Yeah, UAW <laughs> strike would bring <laughs> economic strife. Some good alliteration there. Yes. As September 14th contract expirations approach and negotiations between the United Auto Workers President, Sean Fain, and automakers appeared stalled, a possible strike looms. If that happens, the economic hit from the strike could cause a recession in Michigan and lower the U.S. GDP, warns an analysis from Anderson Economic Group, which found a 10-day strike against the Detroit Three would cause over $5 billion in economic losses. Nearly eight hundred million dollars in wage losses, one point two billion dollars in manufacturer losses, and severe uh, financial hits to automotive suppliers, dealers, in the industry overall. Yeah, I was just going to ask, where's the other four billion coming? <laughs>
2: yeah, <up>? right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, oh God. I want to you know, know. I is thought. You- I I thought Zach was hyperbolic, but then you start reading that article and well,
1: you know, who knows? Okay. Pick a number. What are you making of this, Kimberly? I, I mean, want to know, is
2: this a scare? Is this a scare article? I mean, is this reality, you guys? Of course. You know, UFOs could land tomorrow and little aliens could get come out. <laughs> Justice, I know you're here somewhere. It could happen. Um, but and this could happen too. I don't think it will. Do you? I don't. Oh,
1: think I so. think a strike's gonna I oh, the strike's going to happen. Oh, the strike.
2: Yeah, but I mean, uh, the loss is associated. This with is huge. It? Yeah, the number, the numbers, b billions, billions. Um, in, in, in economic. 10 days. Yeah, yeah, that's the glitcher. That that's the glitcher, That's the cherry on top in economic economic losses too. So. Wow, I don't know. That's overwhelming to me. When I read that, I was like, "What?"
1: It's totally <laughs> going to happen, and I, I, I think that that's number could probably lot. be light. Think about it. You got to think about it. You're- well, go back to the article real quick. Just, just, just real quick.
0: Okay, seven hundred and ninety-five million in in wage losses. Uh huh. Okay, one point two billion in manufacturer losses. That's that's one. That's two billion dollars. Where's the other three
1: billion? In an alternate hypothetical scenario, Okay, severe the term, financial hits
0: to automotive. What, what what does that mean? In an
1: alternate scenario, they found that just Ford would incur a 1.2 billion dollar loss. These are all the hypothetical scenarios, but my point yeah. is, yeah, you yeah. Turn yeah. off. You turn the, these these um, these big three. Yeah. are mm-hmm. the slowest. To stop trains you've ever seen these are tra- and the reason i'm using trains as the analogy is because it takes a train a long time to stop you got all that. those cars behind you right yeah, yeah. you turn up you stop oh, man another analogy you turn the faucet off of that train trains <laughs> run
0: on water now
1: <laughs> my point being kimberly and pops the impact the ripple effect of turning these corporations off for even 10 days would have huge implications
0: nobody's suggesting that it wouldn't it's just you know i i start reading that article and i think to myself okay the author said pick a number pick a
1: number between one and five billion well that, that's not the point the, the point isn't the number the point is the the concept don't don't hit on on uh okay so yet.
0: so so the point is that there'll be some losses absolutely anytime there's a strike there's losses involved go for it kimberly
2: well, I this is a warning uh, from an analysis done by Anderson Economic Group. Okay, so a group did do this analysis and I do believe they're the ones that came up with the findings, the these dollars that could, you know, create economic losses. They're the ones. Um I don't know what to say. This is really big in 10 days.
1: I I think it at the end of the day, who cares who comes up with the analysis? Ford could come out with their own analysis, and they can I'm say sure it's only going to yeah, it's only going to cost them a quarter of a billion. It, who cares? I, I mean, at the end of the day, what's going to happen here is you've got two groups that are butting heads that have totally different ideas of what's yes. reasonable and what's acceptable, and it's ultimately going to lead to the the um, uh, stoppage of production of vehicles for an unknown amount of time. I think it's, I think it's inevitable that there's going to be a strike. How long the strike lasts for? Is up, you know, TBD, that's going to cause a major headache for 4GM RAM. We've had other conversations. Kimberly, I don't know if you've been a part of these conversations, but my, my dad has talked about this. Could be, I think Brandon actually from Car Question Answered brought this up. This could be a strategic play by the OEMs. They have growing inventory stockpiles. We know yeah. that. These three domestic automakers have the most inventory uh, compared to their peers, their their peers from overseas. This could be a strategic play to actually cut back inventory levels and it ends up being okay for them but i don't think the name of the game is to to turn off production in that manner that feels very haphazard and not particularly strategic but maybe i'm naive about it at the end of the day i don't really care who puts out the analysis what i care about is the fact that you're going to have a strike and that strike's going to have ripple effects in the auto industry and and in and in tier 3 uh, suppliers tier 4 as well it's going to have it's going to have an impact well, of course it'll have an impact
0: Yeah, every strike
1: yeah. does um, <clears throat>
0: But think of it this way. If there would be lost wages in 10 days of nearly $800 million, $800 million in lost wages, how many 10-day increments do you think those UAW workers want to be out of work? If they're losing $800 million every 10 days as a group, you know, can they really afford to lose I don't know, $2 billion in wages mm, 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 in 30 days?
2: That's a lot. Now, you know,
0: I How are we getting that money back?
2: I'm not an expert on this. Uh, I'm not an expert on union workers, but I have been learning so much, you guys, <laughs> Um, So when September 14th comes around, they can simply, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure, can they just push negotiations and keep going with their negotiations?
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, They could agree to do that.
2: And from the headlines that I'm reading, it sounds like at the pace that they're moving on their negotiations, I don't see how they're going to come to an agreement by the 14th. No, they won't. So I I would see think that they're just gonna push and push and push this back. Um, but what does that mean? What you just said, Ray? How long can they keep pushing?
0: I, it- I, I know I know that unions when there's gonna be a striker, if they think there's going they, they they do have they have set aside funds for a strike ah, fund. Okay. I, I get that. But the strike fund isn't paying them what their normal weekly earnings would be. Mm-hmm. And last time I checked, inflation has been relatively high. People are struggling. So if, if a strike fund pays them 75% of what they would normally get, as opposed to the 100%, well, between inflation and everything else, that 75% isn't going to be near enough to keep them above water. Mm-hmm. So, how long can it go on? I, I don't know. I mean, at a certain point, if if it if, if the strike were to be a very long strike, if the union were to um, get the big three to agree to their wage price demands, at a certain point these people are gonna price themselves out of a job mm-hmm. because industry won't be able to survive. Right now, we see the price points of automobiles out of reach for most people. Well, if there's an increase in labor costs, that's going to get factored into the MSRP of a vehicle. totally. And so that labor cost is going to be passed on
1: to the consumers. Something tells me that the increase in MSRPs are going to happen no matter what, whether there's a, uh, you know, whether the UAW ends up laying down, which they're not going to. Whether the UAW lays down or if they negotiate hard, they strike for months with an M. I still think you're going to see 2024, 2025 model year vehicles and the MSRPs have gone way up. That's the new normal for the OEM because we've proven to them Mm -hmm. that we're willing to pay more money for transportation. That's That's what the past two years have shown them. I think the UAW is also looking at like what happened to UPS recently and they're saying, "Come on, we need to cuz when was the last time I don't I don't know this. I don't know the answer to this. When was the last time the UAW negotiated with with the big 3?" I mean, I I don't know if it six was years mm-hmm. 6 years ago. 6 years ago?
2: 2017 or 19
1: 19? If it, if it was 17, that'd be 6 years ago. I mean, they're they're looking around and thinking, "Okay, like we we want we want more, we want better." I don't believe Everybody
0: I get it. Everybody wants more. Everybody wants better. But at a certain point, if if you keep, if if the more that you want is so significantly higher than what you already have, you run the risk of pricing that industry out of business. It it, it, it happened in some labor unions in England, where. Jobs were lost because the companies could no longer afford to compete on an international basis because their labor costs were too high. Yeah, I and I and I think, I think everybody is entitled
1: to be able to make a living wage. Everybody should be able to make a living wage. Did you not just hit on something that could be at the crux of all of this, which is an opportunity for foreign automakers to gain more market share? We've watched. Honda, their sales year-over-year up nearly 55%. Hyundai-Kia sales are on a tear. Subaru sales are bouncing back. Mazda sales are bouncing back. Are we going to watch foreign automakers really take over from the domestic big three? Because we haven't even dug into the other huge problem that the domestic big three have, which are those stockpiles of overpriced inventory. Mm -hmm. We we can pull the day's supply back on CarEdge.com, or we could pull it up from Cox Automotive. Timberly, those are the three automakers that have the most inventory, especially their luxury divisions. I'm thinking Lincoln, for example. like They just have a ton of cars sitting around that people aren't currently buying. It feels like a little bit of a one-two punch that could set the stage for Honda to keep growing their market share, for Hyundai Kia to keep growing their business.
2: I mean, I agree with you, Zach. And you kind of pointed on that a few minutes ago when you were talking about inventory. It's like a chess game, isn't it? who you know all these moving pieces who's going to make the next move what's it going to look like um is there something bigger at hand here that has to do with inventory yeah i think so
1: i think so too because you if you're if you're in Ford's boardroom mm-hmm. you've got pressure from UAW and that's going to drive up your labor costs you've got pressure from your dealer group. I mean, we just watched Jim Farley travel the nation, stopping at, at um, his Ford dealerships to talk about EVs with his dealers, which was a brilliant move because mm-hmm. dealers are really frustrated with Ford right now. But he's got pressure from his Ford dealers saying, hey, you've, you've socked it to us with expensive inventory that people are not buying anymore. And then you're looking at, well, consumer demand there is is there for the brand. Like people love the idea of Ford, but they just can't afford it. That, that those, those are the chess pieces you're talking about, Kimberly. And I think ultimately- something's got to give, you know, like they're going to have to strike a deal with UAW. They're going to have to appease their dealers. They're going to have to find a way to move more metal. At the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to. Even even if there is a strike,
0: there's always an end to the strike.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it, this is what we know, right? We do yeah, know that. I,
0: yeah. I've, I've never seen a strike yet that ultimately didn't have an ending.
1: Yeah, One true. way or the other, it has true. an
0: ending. Um, and And it's like, in, in many cases, it, one side wants to break the other side's back yeah. to finally yeah. get them capitulate. The idea, at least in my mind, would be to try and find that common ground um, prior to breaking each other's backs. And, and you don't have to have that
1: strike. Negotiations are all about leverage. So. Well,
0: and the truth of the matter is, the negotiations won't get started in, in reality in any substance until probably the 7th of September.
1: Well, right now, what we're watching is theater. I mean, you've seen the statements come Uh, out from Stellantis' CEO. You've seen the responses from the president of the UAW, like tossing stuff in a trash (laughs) can. Like, it's all theater and games right now. The unfortunate reality is that millions of people are going to be impacted.
0: It's the last week of negotiations
1: that are when negotiations really happen. All right, let's put us all on the spot. Who thinks there's going to be a strike? (laughs) For those of you that listen to the podcast, we all just raised our hands. Let's switch gears, guys. Let's talk about it. Can I just say one
2: more thing? Because I am learning about the UAW and how all this works. But I did email you and Ray that I can't even get over the corruptness prior years. (laughs) That I got to tell you, that shocked me. That floored me. Whenever you look at that timeline of the Fed charges against all these all these um higher up members it's not just presidents it's it's different members like the treasury the secretary all these members in UAW every, getting put behind bars yeah
1: to give everyone context here the industry publication automotive news that we reference frequently has a dedicated timeline look at <laughs>
2: this this is the UAW
1: scandal and all of the events that have been associated with uh, since July 2017 so i'll read this and then we'll scroll through Briefly, in July 2017, federal prosecutors revealed that millions of dollars intended to train workers was instead spent by leadership of the UAW and FCA on air travel, solid gold pens, a swimming pool, a house, and a Ferrari, among other luxuries. 16 indictments and 15 convictions so far have exposed fraud within the massive U.S. Auto Manufacturing Union and called into question the collective bargaining agreements ratified in 2011 and 2015 with FCA. Will this scandal spread? Here's a timeline and a list of our key players. So again, the industry publication has a full-on timeline it's landing page.
2: Shocking to me. When I learned this, I was like, What my jaw hit the floor.
1: It keeps going. Folks. Yes. It just keeps
2: going and going and going and going. It's crazy.
0: And it, and, it, and it's two presidents in a row.
2: Yeah, that the have, last
0: two. Yeah, that have been convicted and are have been sentenced for jail time. Uh, You know, anytime there's millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, it's no different than, than, say, the federal government or the state government. It, it, there's, there's very rarely a real strong forensic accounting <laughs> of what happens to all these funds that suddenly come into an organization, whether it be a federal agency, whether it be a state agency, Look whether it be key
1: loans. There's so much. Yeah, fraud well, yeah. Whether, that. whether
0: it be uh, a, a a a union. Yeah. I mean, I, I just know that if I was a member of that union. I would insist before you could collect another dime of dues for me. I want to, I want a forensic accounting report of where <laughs> yeah. every dollar is going. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. That how, was shocking to me.
1: Yeah. How come nobody knew this was missing? <laughs> for those Sorry. of you who have never seen the Irishman, great movie that ties into some of the uh, behind the scenes. There's, there's yes. aspects of that that tie back into yes. union and, and, um labor and a lot of that um, and, and, back in Philly. And, and the
0: really interesting thing is, is a lot of that happened at one of our favorite restaurants yeah. in the city of Philadelphia, the Villa de Roma. But it gives you, it gives you some perspective
1: yeah. on how this industry has worked in the past and maybe a bit yes. of what's still going on yeah. today. Oh, I, I, what do you mean maybe? <laughs> Likely is, when there's millions yeah. of dollars involved. Yeah. All right, I want to remind everyone back at CarEdge.com, this is where we can help you with all things buying, <laughs> leasing, selling a car. Hope you're okay there, Miss Kimberly Klein. So please go check out CarEdge.com. We've got so many great things the team has been working on recently. I am so proud of them. So please go take a peek, browse cars, sell cars. If you look for our tools, the CarEdge report, BlackBook valuations, our OTD calculator, all the various services, including the service contracts, warranties that we offer, even auto insurance and more, plus all of the free resources back at CarEdge.com. Now, Kimberly Pops, let's switch gears and let's talk a little bit about Uh, consumer advocacy, because that's really, at the end of the day, what our platform's about. And we've received some thoughtful contributions while we've been going. We'll turn our attention to those in just a few minutes. Spot deliveries, yo-yo deliveries. Let's talk about that. (sighs) Consumer groups ask FTC, Federal Trade Commission, to set car dealer obligation on spot delivery. Several consumer groups have petitioned the FTC to require that car dealers uphold the credit terms in spot delivery if a lender can't be found to buy a deal. Kimberly, can you give us a high-level overview of what a (laughs) yo-yo delivery or a spot delivery is? And then let's get your take on this news from the FTC. Yes. Or maybe Pops. Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) A spot delivery is whenever um, you come into the finance office and I don't exactly have an approval for you yet. But I think I'm going to put you here. I think I might put you there. But I don't have a solid approval yet. And then what happens, and this can go several different ways, but what happens is either later in the day after the customer has driven off in their new vehicle or the next day, um, all of a sudden the finance manager starts getting approvals or declinations in and they're seeing stipulations that must be met. And oops, I didn't make a very good call and I wrote you at 10% without stipulations like proof of income, proof of residency and so on. And now, all of a sudden, I have to restructure this deal because I did not have that solid approval. And I'm making a phone call going, hey, Zach, I need you to come back in and re-sign paperwork. And Zach says, well, why? And then I say, well, just come on in and I'll go over it with you because we don't want to disclose anything over the phone, you know, we want you to come back in so we can hit you with your new terms, which are double the in, double the interest rate. And by the way, now I need a vial of blood from you because it's part <laughs> of the stipulations. And it sounds to me like what they're asking for, this consumer group, is they're just saying, hey, um, we want you to keep – correct me if I'm wrong on this. But it sounds like they're saying we want you to keep what you had that customer sign. Yeah. Now – There's a flip side to this, though, you guys, like, first of all, there should be no spot deliveries or yo-yo financing that needs to go away. It just needs to be done. It needs to be illegal. However, I have done and thankfully, I worked for a very, very good organization where we didn't allow that to happen. I have done spot deliveries with someone who's had an 800 credit score. I read their credit. It looks good. I know a finance. A seasoned finance major, they know their lenders well, their relationships. Yeah. I know I'm not going to have a problem getting you into the guidelines at the interest rate that I'm, I know I can get you into. Um, but I let the customer know very clearly, I don't have a solid approval because the bank is closed and it's 11 o'clock tonight and I will call you tomorrow if it changes for any reason. Is that okay, Mr. or Miss Customer? I know you have excellent credit. Thank you. Does that mean, according to this consumer group, that if that would have come back at a lower interest rate?
1: I think you're. I, I understand where you're going, <laughs> but I think you're 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 taking the turn of the lesser issue. The, Just a the question. The Yep. That's it's a the question. question. The, the evil in this, I think, and I think evil is the right word is what you described, which is someone comes in, a finance manager lets them take a car home, says, congratulations, yeah. you bought your vehicle. But in all the paperwork you signed, you signed a document that says that if the loan can't get approved, that we told you we could get you approved for, then you have to come back. The evil in that is then when you show back up and it's the vial of blood, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, we actually couldn't get you approved. We need $5,000 more cash down. Your payment's going to go up to this. Yeah. That's, that's the case that these consumer groups are watching out for, not the 800 credits for Friday night. I get, we get it. Here. I get the, it.
2: I'm being nitpicky.
1: Yes. So, <laughs> well, the, the, evil,
0: the evil is is when the sales manager structures a deal to reach the payment that the consumer wanted that the sales manager knows in his heart of hearts can't be done. That's the evil and and the sales manager will say to the finance manager just do the deal and we'll worry about it later and if 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 you've seen it i'm sure um, oh, i've yeah. seen it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where Absolutely. where the, the sales manager the gm says <clears throat> just do it mm-hmm. just spot the deal at these terms and we'll worry about it later that's the evil portion of it um you know, I worked for a dealership that if we didn't have approval, you weren't taking the car.
1: But that's yeah. what this that's what this push from these consumer groups the FTC protects <laughs> against, which would say that if the deal comes back, the dealership is actually holding the loan. They have to figure out how to make it whole.
0: Well, no, what what they're really saying is, is the dealer just became
1: the lender. Exactly. That's what yes, I mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's not like the dealer going to hold that paper. They'll find No, they some- will.
0: If they can't find somebody to to. To buy that loan at the terms they put the person out on, then the dealership is holding that loan. And that opens
2: up a whole other can of worms. That means the dealership has to be a No,
1: but what I'm saying is what would happen in that situation. So we spot deliver someone at $500 a month with $5,000 down. Yes. And then we realize that we can't get them approved for that. And we actually need them to put $7,500 down and keep them at $500 a month. What's going to happen is the dealer's going to get that if this if this rule from the FTC passed, The dealer's going to get that. They're going to still buy the loan from from one of their banks. They're going to put up the other $2500. Dealers don't want the liability of holding paper. There's a whole different liability when you're a right. lender. Exactly. So the reason that dealers don't want to do this is because if they actually spot deliver someone on something and they need to the, this rule would then maintain the terms of that deal. So the payment would stay the same for the customer. It's money coming out of the dealer's checking account to keep that deal the same way. They hate that concept of this, but it's the right way to approach things because we shouldn't put people into finance deals that we know we can't get them approved for. Well,
0: yeah, that yes, That's we can we can all agree with that. There are dealers out there that do that on a consistent basis. And there are and,
1: consumers who know they can't actually get approved for this crap and they still sign it and they yes, shouldn't.
0: Yes. And, and and yet there are also dealers out there. And Kimberly worked for for a group that did it this way. And I worked for a group that, that said, "Hey, we don't have an approval. You're not getting the car. You're not taking the car." You, you know what? It, it should be, if if you're the the dealership is concerned from this perspective that if you don't send the customer home in the car and the terms change be, between the time <laughs> they left deposit and they come in to sign the approval that the customer is going to go, well, I'm not paying. I don't want the car. But if you send them home with the car and all their neighbors see they have this new car in their driveway, well, they're going to do whatever it takes to keep that car. The, the right way to do it in my mind is if you don't have an approval yet, take a deposit, hold the car, let us see what we can get done for you. For sure. And if that's acceptable, you'll come back in, you'll sign the paperwork and you'll take your car. If it's not acceptable, we'll give you your deposit back and everybody can move on with life. And nobody is put in a position where there's going to be this this yo-yo financing where you went home with the car and now you're coming back.
2: Yeah, you just. Yeah. So okay. I have just have a couple things to say about it, and that is I have often. Often had people come into my office, sit down to sign their paperwork, and say to me, Now, Kimberly, this is a solid approval, right? So there is, God, I hate, how do I say it, right? There is a little oneness here. I want to empower people to go in and say those words. This is approved, right? Can I see my approval? You know, I don't want to come back in. I have often had people come in and say that. The second thing is, you know, there are certain things that are helping with this, and that is a uh, desktop in the finance, the desktop pad in the finance, instant funding, instant funding. So maybe, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, you might also want to say, this does have a, I am approved, right? I have a solid approval. And how long does it take to get this loan funded? Is it instant funding? A lot of dealerships have this today, and it's a good thing instant funding. So if you're signing on a desktop, um, often, immediately the paperwork goes, and it's funded within minutes, within the hour. When you're out there and your salesperson's going over your car with you, well, during that time, your loan is hopefully being funded.
1: So, and I think that's yeah. that's a really good point, Kimberly, because Most people don't understand this. We've talked about it in various videos and streams, and it's a pretty nitty-gritty detail, but dealerships measure something called CIT, contracts in transit. The moment you buy a car and you finance it, it's not like the dealership's checking account goes up by $50,000, far from it. They have to wait for the bank contract to go through to get funded by the bank. And so what you just said is spot on. If they have instant funding, they have the approval, you're driving home, there's no worries. Your, your paperwork's not gonna change because they already got the money. The dealership's bank account got the money. The approval was approved. What we're talking about and what these consumer groups are trying to do is for the opposite experience, which is you're in the F&I office, you're approved, congratulations for X, Y, and Z, or we can get you this payment. And then you come back three days later and we actually weren't approved. We never got funded. We need to either bring the card back or we're putting you in different financing. That's what needs to be abolished. That's what needs to go away. So you're, that, I love that idea of asking, how long is the contract going to be in transit for this loan? And if they say, oh, well, we actually yeah. don't have an approval yet, they'd be like, what are you, like, ask that question. How long does it take for the contract in transit? They would just, the finance manager would be like, who are you? Why did you ask that? <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Idea, Have you worked at a dealership before?
0: And and the consumer needs to realize that if there isn't an approval, do they want to put themselves in that situation where they could get a phone call a day or two from now saying, "Hey, we couldn't get the loan approved at at the uh, rate we set you out at, um, so we need you to come back." So it, it it's incumbent upon the consumer to put aside their need for instant gratification and say, well, why don't we just wait until you have the approval and we know everything's safe? Or
1: go to your credit union and get your own. You don't don't rely on the dealer for the financing. Again, consumer onus here is quite high. The fact that consumer protection groups are coming in here you know, shines a light on the fact that dealers will occasionally, somewhat frequently, do things that are not the best interest of the consumer. But there are ways for us as consumers, Kimberly, like you were saying, to protect ourselves when we walk into this situation.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I wish it would just go away. Spot deliveries like this should not happen. And spot deliveries aren't fun for anybody. Just so you know, they're not fun for the finance manager to have to make that phone call. And they are not fun for the dealership and certainly not for the consumer. I wish they would just go away.
1: I just checked my heart rate went up as we did that segment. That was interesting. Let's go here to Nathan. Yes, Thank you for the contribution, Nathan. Uh, can you guys give some advice on when you would purchase a heavy-duty diesel truck? I have some time, flexibility, but want to travel with my family via a fifth wheel. We are seeing, we talked about yesterday, used whole, uh, excuse me, wholesale values for used full-size pickup trucks are dropping significantly. So, I know we're not seeing that on the retail side quite yet, but we are starting to see more and more pressure on full-size trucks, even on the new new car side with incentives and rebates and things like that. I would stay patient, however... If you see a good option now and the interest rate you have, your pre-approval from credit unions, good, go jump on it. Don't play the waiting game because interest rates, unfortunately, are likely going to continue to go higher. Yeah. So I, would, I would move. I would move as prices are starting to head down now.
0: And if you're looking at a new car or a new truck, um, we know for the big three that that the inventory levels are higher than what they would traditionally like. Um, so there, there could be some deals to be had, especially... <laughs> Uh, On the Dodge side of things, rather than on Ram side of things. So, um, you know, now could be the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pre-purchase inspection if you do use. It is Friday. You've got a show in 12 minutes. Friday wins, Kimberly. You got a Friday win?
2: Yes, I have two. Super fast, though. Super fast. Because one of them popped up in our community four hours ago. And it's by David. David Giblin. Why used car dealers have a reputation? And I want to give David the Father of the Year award David, I'm so glad you did this. His his daughter called him and said, Hey dad, um, is paying four hundred and ninety dollars and forty-nine cents a month for six years on a car listed at $19,477 with 8000 dollars down sound okay?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> you said this was from four hours ago. Let's find this it is here. From
2: four hours ago, David Giblin. It is yeah. right there, right there. And uh wow, David saved the day. He saved his daughter uh i say fantastic dad fantastic dad um and he ran he said i asked her where she was and i headed on over and he got there and they walked of course um and then they were chased the salesman chased him um but yeah So, yes, yay for you for saving your daughter. And the second one is super, super quick because it was an automotive news. West Virginia man, youngest to earn world class technician status. He is from my state, he is also from my area. And I am very proud to say. that this west virginia man is the youngest to earn world-class technician status he had to go through a lot to get to it and he did and he kept his eye on the prize and he's doing great and we Good need more now. like him
1: happy friday yeah. happy friday that's awesome
0: pops you got a friday win um uh, elizabeth asser um was uh, in contact with me she was looking at uh a a Mazda CX90. She was dealing with a dealership that said, "Oh no, we're not allowed to sell below MSRP." Um, I shared with her, "Well, not allowed is not so. They can <laughs> if they want to, uh, but they might not want to." And I and if they don't and and they just insist that they're not allowed to, go find a dealership that will. She found one. She picked up her new CX90. Um, I believe between loyalty and discounts, she got about fifteen hundred dollars off on her brand new CX90. So, um, yeah, dealers are allowed to sell below MSRP, and she found one that would.
1: Yes, that is awesome. Thank you for doing that. a Friday win. Yeah, um, look at that. Yeah, no, Justice, I'm, I'm right there with <laughs> yeah. you. I was expecting meatball sub. Yeah, true. Like, I was no <laughs> yeah. expecting a win.
0: Well, I have how that. about the you, other Zach? I, I, I survived our sale event.
1: Yeah, my dad, unfortunately, yeah. had a, a scary case of vertigo after mm-hmm. the uh, Car Edge sales event last weekend. And I my win is the fact that we are now working on two other dealer groups, Um, one down in Fayetteville, North Carolina, another in Savannah, Georgia. So I'm going to be doing some travel. Over the next couple of weeks to set up a uh, follow on car edge sales events and importantly yes have these dealers just join us as uh, powered by car edge dealers so we set their pricing monthly we set the expectations at home delivery all that fun stuff we are at the early stages of building out a nationwide network of powered by car edge dealerships where you can go and expect the treatment that you would get from Car Edge: pre-negotiated pricing no hidden fees and add-ons uh, in and out in 60 minutes or less delivery to your home I'm really excited. Pre-negotiated F&I products, guys, like everything pre-negotiated. So feeling really proud of that. That's a huge win for me. I'm excited that there are more operators, more dealers out there. are Starting to starting to see what we're doing and wanting to be a part of it. That would be a huge win for the industry. Yeah, it really would. It yes. really, really would. Absolutely. Kimberly, please wear that leather jacket when we are negotiating the F&I products with these dealers. I think it'll just set the tone, make sure that they listen to us. And uh, thank you for being here. Did, yeah, no? Did that joke not land? It was not a joke. It was very genuine.
2: Oh, no. I, I didn't know if you were saying that or if someone else was saying that. Was are you? Saying, I think, I think oh. we showed
1: up to negotiate like service contract prices, and you walked in, and you're wearing your leather jacket, and you said, all right, guys, here's the deal. Be careful how you hit that table, by
2: the way. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys.
1: Thanks so much. You really much. enjoyed the weekend. Pops, you've got Car Edge Electric in eight minutes, seven and a half minutes.
0: Okay. All right. Have seven a great and weekend, a half. Kimberly, and thank you for being here.
2: Thank you. It's always a pleasure, you guys.
1: Yep. See, See you, you later. On.